right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the house. It's so good to see you all here in Florence, man. Can we show some love and welcome our Lawrenceburg Faith Church family? It's good to see you guys. And again, we've already welcomed you, but man, I want to say thank you so much for joining us, all of you who are online. Thanks for tuning in wherever you are, whoever you are, whether you're live in person or whether you're joining us online. Man, we just want you to know we consider you, man, just uh, valuable, man, thankful that you decided to be a part of what's happening this weekend. And we say it every week, come on, we believe that Jesus, he is the hope of the world. Which means whoever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever your issue, your habit, your heartbreak, your heartache, if you'll allow Jesus to meet you where you are, it'll be the greatest decision, come on, that you've ever made. Come on, I experienced that almost 30 years ago. How many people know that's a real statement, that Jesus changes lives? Come on, let's make some noise for him and give God our best praise for just a minute. Come on, somebody. Let's honor the Lord this morning just for one more minute. Well, we are in this series that we started several weeks ago entitled Mind Mods. Mind Mods is this idea of mind modifications that... That our spiritual journey, our faith, really life overall, your entire life is spiritual. It's not what happens Sunday. But really, it, it takes place through our mind being modified, changing the way we think and changing how we view things. And so we've been going through this series and looking at some really popular phrases in culture and really understanding what God has to say about them, this biblical viewpoint on these phrases. And so we stepped into week one talking this idea of mind your own business we looked at changing your mind. Last week, we talked about blowing your mind. Today, we're going to lean into this conversation of get your mind right. Everybody say, get your mind right. Get your mind right. Get your mind right, get your mind right which means if you've got to get it right, it's not right. And if it's not right, it impacts how you're living and how you're seeing things. And so today, we're going to talk about getting your mind right. So Everybody knows, again, man, conversation of COVID has been on the horizon for so long, and I imagine it'll continue to be, but COVID specifically, one of the places it was tough for us was Sean and I, it actually almost cost us our marriage. We went through a really tough season. Um, what made it tough was, uh, it's just challenging. Come on, getting, getting stuck in the house with somebody, right? And here's why it was challenging, right? Here's why we almost didn't make it. It wasn't relational. It wasn't, wasn't sexual. It wasn't emotional. It was environmental, I say it was environmental, um, specifically through last year, she was going through some hormonal stuff and I was going through some weight loss stuff, which means she was always hot and I was always cold. <laughs> Come on, anybody else have those problems in their house? And uh, it was a tough, like men are like, can I raise my, we're good. <laughs> so this is a tough season, like, man, we would be sitting out in the living room together and I'd say, babe, I'm freezing. And she'd say, I'm burning up. I'm like, what is wrong with you? She's like, what's wrong with you? And for real, I started sleeping, like, in our bedroom. How um, you will have to have a fan on your, in, in your room? Like, I mean, there's got to be a little bit of ambient noise. There's got to be some air moving. And so we've always had a ceiling fan. If, if we ever go away and forget a fan and we sleep in a hotel or somewhere, it, we just don't sleep well because you just don't have that noise you're used to, don't have the air. Well, during this season, we just don't have a ceiling fan. Then she started having another fan, literally, that blows over our bed full blast all night long. And then she's got the air on. I mean, I would walk in our bedroom, and I think, you can hang some meat up in this room. <laughs> and this, I had to start, this is, I, I'm a man. You can't take my man car for this. I'm, I'm content. But I had to start sleeping with an extra blanket at night. <laughs> so I would go in, and I'd put a blanket on. And my wife, she knew, so she started calling it my blankie, yes. which really pushed us to the edge of divorce. Don't forget your blankie. She knows what buttons to push. And so... Come on, does anybody else have challenges in your house on where, like, where to set the thermostat, 
Like, I would turn it up, and she would turn it back down, and I would turn it down. And I mean, you know, like, there was just this constant back and forth. And you say, what in the world does that have to do with mind mods? What does that have to do with getting your mind right? Here's where we're going to jump in today. And here, if you're going to take notes, I'd encourage you to write this down, that our mind is the thermostat determining the climate of our life. Right? Your mindset determines the climate of your life. Your mindset determines the climate of your marriage, the climate of your faith, the climate of your workplace, the climate of your hope, the climate of your obedience, the climate of your joy. Your mindset, how you view life, determines the climate of how you experience life, which means if your mind isn't right, your climate won't be right. So some of the things we're going through, I'm not saying that we don't go through challenges, and I'm not saying through some of the things you're going through, you don't need to find a way out of, and God isn't working to rescue from, but some of the things we're in, the things we're in is not really the issue. It's our mindset in the things we're in that's the issue, and so we need to get our mind right. Everybody say, get your mind right. Get your mind right. And so really what I want to go today is I want to talk about getting a, uh, a reset in our mindset. Think about the word mindset. It means your mind is set. It's made up. You've already determined how you see something. You've already determined what it is. You've already determined what it looks like, which means if you can get a different mindset, if you can set your mind looking at something in a different way, you can come to a new conclusion, a new opinion. And so as we get our mind right, again, we're going to talk about is resetting our mind. Now, the reality is a lot of us have already experienced this reset of our mindset. Let me tell you what I mean by that. The reset of our mindset was pretty radical for a lot of us in this room or in Lawrenceburg. And it happened because at one point, the way we viewed our life, the way we viewed who, our, who we were, the mindset of who we were was that we're pretty good people. Right? Your mindset at one point was, I'm a, I'm a good person. Like when I look at the craziness on the news or I look at the craziness of people around me, I'm a pretty good person. Not just your mindset of who you were, but your mindset of who Jesus was. Your mindset of who Jesus was probably at some point like mine. Now, if you were raised in church, maybe not. But, but for me, you know, my mindset on who Jesus was was very neutral didn't really give a lot of thought to it. If you ask me, maybe who I thought he was, maybe some religious figure, a prophet, a good person, like the leader of Christianity. So I had a mindset on who I was. I had a mindset on who Jesus was. And I had a reset in my mindset. And all of a sudden, what I was seeing changed. Like who I was really didn't change and who Jesus was didn't change. My mindset changed. And all of a sudden, I went from being Come on, not really a good person. I might have felt like, like I had better, maybe a, a different ethics or morality than someone else. But at the end of the day, I realized I wasn't really a good person. I was a sinner, sinner separated from a good God. And Jesus wasn't just a good teacher, but he was the savior of the world. Come on, and those two mindsets set up a climate for my life. When you see yourself as a good person and Jesus as just a good teacher, that sets a climate for your life. What you believe, how you behave, how you live, the decisions you make. And when you get a reset in your mindset, and now you see that I'm not a good person, I'm a broken person, and Jesus isn't a good teacher, but he's my savior, all of a sudden that set a brand new climate for my life. How many people know what we're talking about? So you've already experienced a radical reset in your mindset. In the Apostle Paul, he actually has this conversation about how we got there. How your mindset was reset, how you got your mind right. 
So if you have your Bible, we're going to look at two big pieces of Scripture, which is why I have the pulpit, because I don't want to read off this screen. And so I want to encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2 and Philippians 2 is where we're going to be at this morning as we talk about get your mind right. Come on, everybody say, get your mind right. Come on, look at somebody next to you and tell them, get your mind right. So Paul, he, the conversation we're about to lean into is he's talking about the message that he's been preaching. He had one common message everywhere he went, everyone he talked to. This was the message he preached. And specifically, the church in the city of Corinth who he's writing to, he's talking about how they came to understand the message he's been preaching. And here's what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 7. He says, no, the wisdom we speak, the wisdom he's talking about is the message he's been preaching. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. Everybody say mystery. His plan that was previously hidden. Everybody say hidden. So he's saying this message I'm preaching at one time, it was a mystery, and it was something that was hidden. Even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began, but the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would have not crucified our glorious Lord. So what he's saying is that, again, the the message that he's talking about is this message of the gospel. The gospel is that we're not good people and Jesus is a good teacher. The gospel is that we're broken people and Jesus is a good savior. Come on, somebody. And he's saying there was a time that God always had a plan to rescue us. That's what the entire Bible is about, is God's redemptive history. From the very time of creation, God always had a plan to rescue us. Did you know God didn't just show up one day? God always had a plan for your life. God always had a plan to rescue In your most dark moments, in your most broken moments, God's plan was to always show up in your life and to redeem you, to rescue you, and to make you his child. Come on, is anybody thankful for that? And so Paul, he's saying this message has always been the, God, the message of God. It's always been God's heart to rescue broken people. But he says it was never really clear how. Not that it wasn't clear to God. God always knew how he was going to do it, but it wasn't clear to us. There was always messages in in the Old Testament, prophets prophesying that there would be this Messiah who would come, that that God would change the world, that God would restore broken hearts, that God God would give us hope. We just never imagined how it would happen. That's what he means when he says it was hidden. So God has a plan, but what's the plan? And all of a sudden, we saw the plan 2,000 years ago come to pass, and the plan was God would send his son who would die a bloody, brutal death on the cross. What? That's the plan? Nobody saw that coming. He's saying the, the way God would rescue us was through the death of his son, Jesus. Nobody saw that coming. That was hidden until the time it happened. In fact, it was so hidden, the devil would have never killed Jesus if he knew his death would bring us life. But that's, in fact, what happened. Jesus died our death and gave us his life. Come on, is anybody thankful for that today? But here's what's crazy. is So we could never clearly see what God had always clearly said. All of a sudden, now we look back and we see all these Old Testament sacrifices. And that was always God's God's plan, but it was hidden. Again, so he's saying there was a time you didn't understand how God was going to rescue humanity. You didn't know how God was going to change your life. It was always his plan, but how was he going to do it? 
And all of a sudden it came to pass. And so how did this happen that we went from not understanding it to understanding it, from not being able to see it to being able to clearly see it? Like it's clear to me now that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Come on, is that crystal clear to anybody in this room? And like, I just know that. Come on, Lawrenceburg. How did we get here? He says in verse 9 and verse 10, that is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Come on, everybody, I want you to read this with me. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Come on, this is kind of deep today. But y'all see what I'm saying? He's saying the way you got your mind right is because all of a sudden you had a, a revelation. You had an understanding. Something that used to be hidden is so crystal clear. I went the first 17 years of my life, no idea who I was, no idea who Jesus was. And all of a sudden I got my mind right and I had a clear understanding of who I was, a clear understanding of who Jesus was, and it has changed the climate of my entire life. Come on, your mindset determines the climate of your life. Let's go. He's saying that's what's happened is you've gone through this journey. Once you heard the gospel and your eyes were open to it, it's changed how you see things. It's changed who you are. And then he drops this kind of philosophy. He goes on. He says this, verse 11. He says, and no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. I mean, it's kind of this deep thought, but he's saying at the end of the day, you don't really ever know what's in somebody's heart, do you? I mean, you, you can get to know some people, and you can kind of start reading them. If you really get close to somebody, come on, my wife don't have to say anything, just the look. I understand. You, you don't have to say anything, right? You get close to somebody. You get close to friends. You can read their body language. But at the end of the day, you never really know what's in their heart, which is why... You know, a lot of times you, you see something happen on the news and you find out like this person living right next door to you for 30 years that you used to hang out with, watch the games with like he was a serial killer. You're like, man, I never knew. I could have been his victim. Because you don't really know what's in somebody's heart. And this is Paul's point. Like, how do we really, how do you know what, how, how could we have known God's plan? How could we have known God's plan to rescue humanity? Because we don't know his heart. We, don't, we, at the end of the day, don't really know. The only person who knows you is you, and the only person who really knows God is God. He goes on again. He says, verse 12, this is so powerful. He says this. He says, and we have received God's spirit so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. Now, I don't know if you see what he's saying, but watch, this is so powerful. This principle, if you can get a hold of it, he's saying your idea and your thought, your mindset of who you, who you thought you were and who you thought Jesus was to who you really are and who Jesus really is, it didn't change because of how smart you got. It changed because you got God's spirit. What changed wasn't like, I just figured it out and I cracked the code and I read enough of the Bible. No, what happened was the moment you put your faith in Jesus as your Savior, all of a sudden God's spirit came to live inside of you. And now because you got a new spirit because of the Holy Spirit in you, you got a new mindset, which means you got a new climate in your life. Are you all seeing that? I see things differently now because I'm a child of God. 
See, what, what we have to understand as Christ followers is you're not better than anybody in this world. A lot of times we have this egotistical mindset that somehow we are elevated or better than anybody else. No, the reason I can see my brokenness and see Christ's wholeness isn't because of how smart I am. It's because of the Spirit of God that's in me and is in you. And Paul is trying to get people to understand this. Like, no, the reason all of a sudden this thing that's been hidden this message that nobody knew, how was God going to pull off the rescue of the world? How was God going to change the lives of broken humanity? He's going to send his son. He's going to die on a cross. He's going to raise from the dead. What? So that message didn't, that message didn't happen for me, March 19, 1989, that message happened 2,000 years ago. It just became reality to me because when I put my faith in it, it changed my mindset on who I was and who Jesus was. Are you all tracking with me? Everybody say, change your mind. Come on, you got to change your mind about what you see. And the way you do it is you got to get your mind right. He goes on, he says this, verse 14, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths, of, uh, truths from God's spirit. Because it all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Again, I, I know if you're new to this, new to the Bible, this seems like a lot. But here's, here's what he's talking about. He says, there's some stuff we do. Does anybody realize how foolish maybe sometimes we look like to people who don't love Jesus? Y'all look weird. And some of it is unnecessarily weird. All of your mugs and all of your wooden things on your walls and all of your bumper stickers, all of your t-shirts, just stop that. Church signs, if you're a church pastor watching this, just stop it with the cheesy church signs. We're prayer conditioned, really? Walmart isn't the only saving place. Is that the best we can do, really? Is that it? I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, th think about how foolish we look to those who don't have the Spirit of God, and really don't understand God's plan. You know, when, when Sean and I, we started dating again, I wasn't a Christ follower, and so I started going to church to get the girl. That was my, that was my great strategy. What I didn't know is that God had a better strategy, and while I went to church to get the girl, the gospel ended up getting me. Come on, somebody thankful. God's, God's got a greater plan. So I went thinking like, mm-hmm. I'm going to get the girl. She thought she was going to get a free meal, and she got a, she got a husband that's a pastor. I don't, I don't know how we view how that really worked out. But. but think about, come on, think about this for a minute. There was a time, and, and I know some of you aren't tithers, and, you know, man, you just need to hear what God's word has to say. Walk in obedience and watch how God can bless your obedience. But for some of you, come on, who've stepped over and you've just believed what God's word says, that come on, it's all his, and the way I recognize it's all his is I always bring back the first 10% that belongs to him because not only do I want to honor him, but I want to, come on, I want to finance the work of God on the planet so people like this lady can get free from sexual trafficking. And come on, when people start, you give 10, you give 10%? That's a lot of, could, have you ever had your friends say, do you know what you could buy with 10%? And you're a kingdom builder too. You give on top of that. You go to church every Sunday. At what time? Now, see, if you're an early morning person, you get on my nerves already. I, where's all my people that you like waking up at the crack of noon? Come on, where's my people at? 
and you get up. Now, see, I'm talking to the early, sir. This ain't none of you. All of you just lied. If y'all really crack a noon, people, you'd be here at 11. Crack a, the, the people that come at 11, they don't even roll into like 1120. They still got house slippers on, a robe. I just woke up. But man, we're generous with our money, we're generous with our time, or at least that's what we're called to, and it looks foolish to the world. Wait a minute, you're telling me you go to church every Sunday and you wake up early and don't, you just don't go and sit and then leave, but you show up early and you serve and you love your neighbor even though your neighbor gets on your nerves. And, you, and come on, like that looks so foolish to this world, but do you know why it makes perfect sense to us why we want to live generously, why we want to serve people, why we want to give of our time, why we want to show up in the house of God? You look foolish lifting your hands. You look crazy singing those songs. Listen, do you know why it looks foolish? The reason it looks foolish is because you don't have the mindset I have. I see things that you don't see because I hear what God had to say. Come on, and when you see what God sees because of what God said, all of a sudden you get a mindset reset. Come on, somebody. You get to change your mind about who you are and who Jesus is. All of a sudden, it might be foolish to you looking from the outside in, but it's not foolish to me. I want to do more. And then he says this. This is, this is how we got here. Watch this. This is the last verse here in this Corinthians section. He says, verse 16, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? So the only way you can get a mindset reset is, is to know what's in God's heart. Well, how do we know what God, it's in God's heart? How do we know what God's thinking? How do we know what God's plan is? Because when you give your life to Jesus, he puts the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And so he's answering this rhetorical question, who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things. Every voice here, Lawrenceburg, Florence, I want us all to read this together. But we understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. Come on, everybody, say that again. We have the mind of Christ. See, one of the things that will make your spiritual journey far more successful is if you stop believing what you think and start believing what he said. You might say, I don't know if I got the mind of Christ. I didn't ask what you think. I'm telling you what he said. No, you have the mind of Christ. How do I know you have the mind of Christ? Not only because he said it, but because you're experiencing it. The fact that you now know, again, that who you are and who Jesus is, is you're a sinner and he's a savior, demonstrates that you have the mind of Christ. And what's so powerful is it is sociologists and psychologists will tell you to really change your mind on anything is an arduous journey. I just read an article this week that the power of changing your mind, the power of changing your mind on your diet, on working out, of marriage, of budgeting your money, is not like moving a boulder. The person who wrote this article said it's like moving, moving a pile of a thousand stones. Like just this steady, consistent, I want to be a different person. I, I want to change. I'm going to, I'm going to do things different. And you're never really there. There's always still some rocks in the old pile. And while that might be true in, 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 in kind of these daily habits, what Paul is saying to his audience is this. No, you had a, an immediately bolder moment where one moment you thought one thing and the next moment you thought another thing. And what caused the bolder moment shift, what caused the mind shift, what caused you to get your mind right was in that moment that you put your faith in Jesus, come on, all of a sudden you got the mind of Christ. I see clearly who I am. And I see clearly who Jesus is. Come on, is anybody thankful for a mindset reset? So the only way to make sense of the foolishness of this life of following Christ is to get a new mindset, is to change ultimately the way you think. 
you're taking notes, this is, this, is, this is a powerful idea right here. The mind of Christ is the capacity to comprehend the plan of God. So when he says that you have the mind of Christ, again, it's the capacity to comprehend God's plans, that all of a sudden you can perceive the plan. All of a sudden you can discern God's design. All of a sudden you got a grasp on the gospel. What used to make no sense, all of a sudden makes all kinds of sense. I remember when I first started going to church, we went to a hymn singing church. Anybody come up in a hymn singing church? And I'm telling you, I like some old hymns. Like, there's some great new music, but there is some great theology in the old songs. I remember singing songs. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. Man, I remember going to church singing that like, I didn't even know what I was singing. It's the dumbest song I've ever heard. Anybody got any Eric B and Rock him? Come on, anybody got any rat? Round and round. <laughs> Till I got saved. I couldn't even sing that song anymore. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. The emblem of suffering and shame. But what changed? The song didn't change. My ability to sing it certainly hadn't changed. Come on, what changed? What changed is I had a mind shift. All of a sudden, I could clearly see the plan of God because I had the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You can grasp the gospel. Come on, somebody. You ought to be thankful that God opened your eyes to the truth and the reality of Jesus. So powerful. But watch this. The mind of Christ, we're going to go a little deeper. The mind of Christ, here's really what it does, is it gives the followers of Christ context. All of a sudden, it sets my life in a framework. All of a sudden, I start to figure out the context of who I am and where I am. I, I saw a show, I don't, I don't remember, a couple years ago, like 60 Minutes or something, and they was talking about this idea of context. Everybody say context. Again, context is this idea of, of the setting something finds itself. You can take a quote out of context. You can take a situation out of context. So in order to really understand something, it has to be in the proper context. To understand really who you are and who Jesus is, it has to be in the proper context. And I don't remember what they called this segment. It was something I wrote in my notes like rude or right. And they showed a couple videos of things that had actually happened that was captured on film. And without context, it looked rude. Like there was this one where this girl standing there holding this drink cup, and this guy comes out, and she gets ready to drink, and he slaps it out of her hand. It's like, man, that was, what? I'm going to slap you. <laughs> like it looked incredibly, like this out of the blue, this guy walked up and slapped this cup. And it was a red solo cup, by the way, which gives greater context. Except everybody say context. Y'all know when you're drinking out of a red solo cup, we got you. We got you. You love Jesus just enough to not hold the bottle. We got you. We got you. Oh, he's preaching real today. Red solo cup says something. Anyways, I'm off, totally off track. And he's saying this. He's saying like, what happened was the context was that this guy was this girl's husband She's allergic to bees, and what she didn't see was just before she went to drink it, a bee flew in, and really, he just saved her life. Context. 
Another one was, this, was a video of this guy where you could, there wasn't any audio, but you can see him yell at this guy. He's right down the road, maybe, I don't know, a couple yards away, and he yells at this guy, and then he just runs up and tackles him. It's like, what in the world? Can you imagine just somebody out of the blue tackling you when you're walking down the street? Well, then right after he tackles him, and the video stops and asks, like, asks the question, is it rude or right? Well, context is they keep playing the video, and all of a sudden, this guy gets knocked down, and a car comes on the sidewalk. He just saved his life. Well, all of a sudden, context makes it make sense. What looked like was something that was rude was really was something that was right. I found this, this guy talking about his, uh, who he was and his occupation. He said this. He said, I always chuckle at the bizarre things that I get to do as a fireman. Because of the context, I get to kick down doors, rip people's clothes off, electrocute them, and cut their cars apart with hydraulic tools. <laughs> and wait a minute, that's something you go to prison for, not get paid for. Well, if, if the context is that's your job, see, what I'm telling you is when you give your life to Christ, you get the mind of Christ, which gives you the context of Christ. All of a sudden, you start seeing who you are in the larger framework of God's plan. And so the mind of Christ doesn't just apply to salvation. It just doesn't apply to knowing who you are as a sinner and Jesus is your Savior. Come on. I'm talking about that mindset changes the climate of your whole life if you'll let it. And so I want us to lean into this other section of Scripture. If you have your Bible, again, go to Philippians chapter 2. Listen to this. Because now the Apostle Paul goes from talking about our side, our side of the gospel, that we were beneficiaries of what Jesus did. It makes perfect sense now. I, could, I, could, I didn't want to die for my own sin and be separated from God. I, Jesus came and did that for me. He died my death, paid the price for my sin. But what about Jesus' side? Have you ever thought about what he went through? Willingly. Like it's, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of times the stuff we do for God, honestly, come on, there's some part of us that's like is a three-year-old that doesn't want to take a nap. Like some of you got to say, and I'm glad you came to church, Lawrenceburg, I'm glad you're in the building. But let's be honest, when you first woke up and the alarm went off, the three-year-old in you started kicking and screaming, I don't want to go to church. Some of you, man, when it came for, for the offering and you opened your phone, you're like, I don't want to give that. Like you did it. But have you ever thought about Jesus willingly went to the cross? How did, how did he step out into such crazy chaos? So Paul now writes about the cross from Christ's side. The cross from our side was we were benefactors. What about the cross from Christ's side? Watch this. Philippians chapter 2 says this, verse 5. I want us all to read this first verse together. I'll keep reading it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Come on, Lawrenceburg, Florence, everybody say it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. 
Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. And that every tongue, come on, y'all ought to get excited about this. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Woo, come on, everybody shout that name, Jesus. There's no name like the name of Jesus. But it starts out and you think, like, I mean, I, it's so hard to understand really the concept of the Trinity. Like our mind can't even begin to comprehend the vastness and the greatness of God. But we understand from the revelation of Scripture that God is, there's one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It was God's plan to send his Son to redeem us. And once he redeemed us, the Spirit came and filled us. But, you know, in my mind, like trying to play this out, like the father's like, okay, here's the game plan. We're going to rescue man. And Jesus like, let's go. I'm in for my people. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to leave heaven, your place of glory, at the throne on my right hand. And Jesus is already like, wait, what? <laughs> and again, Jesus knows he's God. But like in my mind, I'm trying to play it out. He's like, and you're going to go to earth. I'm going to be a king, right? Nope. You're going to be a servant. Ugh. It's not going to be a servant, but eventually you're going to die. Wait, run that back. You're not just going to die, but you're going to die what people have recognized now as one of the most painful, humiliating ways to die ever. How was Jesus, like, from the cross from his side, how was he convinced or how did he come to the place where he was willing to not only leave heaven to come to earth, but to come to earth not as a king, but as a servant, not just a servant that would serve, but would die, and not just die, but, but, die, but die one of the horrific, most horrific deaths ever on the cross. Do you know how he was able to do that? Is because he has the mind of Christ. He understood that there's a context of what I'm about to do because the story's not over after I die. The story's only just begun because after I die, I'm being laid in a tomb, and on the third day, I'm coming out alive. And when I come out alive because I was willing to go through a season of humility, now I'm going to go through a season of exaltation where I have the name of all creation will bow at my name and confess with their mouth that I'm the Lord. Come on, somebody. This is so powerful. Jesus, was, Jesus always understood that. The little play-by-play of the conversation. Jesus always knew. He always, as God, he always had his mind. He always knew what the plan was. The reason we struggle with obedience, the reason we struggle with servanthood is because we don't have the mind. We see humiliation as a step down. Jesus saw it as a step up. He came not to serve, but to, or not to be served, but to serve. Why would the Son of God come to serve? Because he recognized. Come on, if you're taking notes, humility wasn't an interference to glory. It was an instrument to glory. See, the reason some of you guys, God's asking you to step into things that you don't want to step into and to do things you don't want to do, even to serve in places in this house and in this ministry in Lawrenceburg and Florence, and we see that as a step down, God's like, no, no, you, you, you got your mind. The mind of this world will tell you that serving is a step down, but the mind of Christ will show you that serving is a step up. Oh, come on. I wish some of you all would help me today. And if you don't see that, it's not because it's not there. It's just because your mind's not right. You got to get your mind right. Everybody say, get your mind right. So notice what he says here again, verse Philippians 2, 5. He says, let this mind be in you, 
which is also in Christ Jesus. If you're taking notes, your mindset is your choice. If Paul tells you, no, you let, you let this, you decide to let this mindset be in you, to have the same mind Jesus had, it means it's your choice. So how you're viewing your current set of circumstances is up to you. Did you know the Apostle Paul, did you know he wrote this from prison? At the time he's writing this, eventually he's going to go, and, and most historians believe he's going to be beheaded for the gospel. At this time, he's chained to a Roman soldier who's on his way to taking him to Rome. He's presently on house arrest waiting for his trial date to come. And he's writing, in fact, the entire book of Philippians. Do you know the, do you know the overlying theme, underlying theme of the book of Philippians is joy. Well, how can you have joy when you're in prison? You can only do it if you got your mind right. Because what he was saying was like, hey, I might be chained to a Roman soldier, but I'm thankful that I got the privilege to serve Christ, to preach the gospel. And if I got to go to prison, if I got to be in chains to win people to Jesus, it's worth it because I understand the context. The context is it makes sense. The context is it worth it. What I'm telling you is some of you guys are in some very difficult seasons and you're facing some really tough things. And if you feel like you're in this thing all alone, you're going to feel overwhelmed. You're going to want to tap out and you're going to want to give up. But when you understand the context, when you have the mind of Christ that you're a child of God and God is with you and God is for and he is fighting through you that God's using your circumstances that he is causing all things to work together for good he is saying count it all joy when you go through various trials why so man you can have your faith built so you can learn endurance in the journey of your spiritual walk with Christ he's saying man when you start to understand really who you are and what you're going through in the context that the mind of Christ gives you he says you won't look to tap out you'll be thankful for what you're going through because it's doing something for you it's not really working against you it's the mind of Christ come on somebody your mindset, again, it's your choice. So the same way you get to decide what the thermostat is set on, you get to determine what the thermostat of your mind is set on. Now, the same way you might have someone that keeps coming and changing it behind you, our old nature keeps wanting to reset our mind. Like we'll think one thing and then our old nature will come and reset it. And we'll come to church and we'll walk out like, I'm, I'm more than a conqueror in Jesus. And then like Monday morning, it's like, I'm never going to make it. Where's home day at? <laughs> Come on, what happened? It's because your old nature's coming back trying to mess with the thermostat of your mind. But you got to get your mind right. You determine have, if you can have the mind of Christ. You determine what the thermostat of your mind is set on. And when you put your life in context of who you are and who God is, then you start seeing the plan of God working around you. Listen, I wouldn't do that. God, I wouldn't work through those politics. I wouldn't work through that chaos. God, I don't know how you're going to bring all that mess together, but here's what I know because I've been living this and I've been watching it happen. Even people who've gone through some of the darkest seasons of their life, once they're on the other side of it, they see God was even working in it and using it. Come on, has anybody here got a testimony or Lawrenceburg that in the worst moments, God was still God using it? Come on, but it was your mindset that saw that. Your mindset, it's the mind of Christ gives us the capacity to think different. It's like when Jesus, when Jesus was on the cross, he was saying, I'm not suffering, I'm serving. When the multitude was hungry around him and there was a little boy, it wasn't a little boy's lunch, it was a meal for a multitude. When the storm came, it wasn't there to kill the disciples, it was there to expose the disciples. When Stephen was stoned, come on, Acts chapter 6, when Stephen was stoned, come on, he didn't die for something, it's because he was living for something. It's all about perspective. 
It's all about how you see it. Do you have the mind of Christ? You get to choose the context your life is living in. If you're taking notes, my circumstance doesn't determine my mindset. If you allow your circumstance to determine your mindset, you're going the wrong section. My mindset defines my circumstances, how I see what I'm going through, how I see who I am. Does this world define you or did God already define you? Are you trying to save yourself or did Christ already save you? Is your life this random, chaotic, if you're lucky, 75, 80, 85 years and then you die? Or is God provident and God's on your side and God's working through your circumstances? If you don't have the mind of Christ, it's all, it's all chaos. It's all meaningless. It's all random. But when you get the mind of Christ, I see God is working in the smaller circumstances of my life. I would have never done it that way, but man, God, you worked it out. I would have never allowed Daniel to go into a lion's den, but God, you used it. I would have never sent the Son of God to the cross, but man, God, that was your plan. And in context now, looking back, it all makes sense. And so the mind of Christ gives us this capacity of faith. Because I'm just going to be honest, even having the mind of Christ, there's, there's still some times it's, it's, it still feels a little hidden, doesn't it? God's plan still feels a little like, I don't know if I see it all for sure, but my life in context, everybody say context, my life in context. God's using it, God's working it out. You have the mind of Christ if you want the mind of Christ. Every day, every situation, every circumstance. And sometimes you got to tell yourself, you got to preach it. Don't wait till Sunday for me to preach to you. This is, this is who David was. This is what David did. This is why David, you find him saying things like, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that's within me, bless his holy name. You know, he's giving himself a pep. He was giving his life context. David goes through these very dark moments. And in the season of dark moments, he takes his life back to context. He says, I'm not going to forget all his benefits. He forgives all of my sins. He heals all of my diseases. He redeems my life from destruction. It doesn't look like it, but in context, I know that's what he's going to do. Come on, somebody. Context. Context happens from your mindset. So how many people in Lawrenceburg in this room would be honest enough to say that maybe you need a new mindset? You need to get your mind right because you're going through some things and it just looks horrible, feels overwhelming, feels out of control. And you need context that God's got a plan, God's working. You are God's child. Come on. Anybody here need a mindset reset? I want you to lift a hand real high. Come on, I need a mindset reset. Father, I just come in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that so many of us experience that moment of a reset already. We can so clearly see the gospel. Lord, will you help those moments take place every day, every challenge we go through, every dark season we're in, to have in those moments let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ. I challenge you to have the mind of Christ in every season you're in. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm telling you, it's hard for you to understand what we're talking about. If you're in Lawrenceburg or you're in Florence, you're watching online, you've never said, Jesus, will you be the Savior of my life? Maybe you thought you're a pretty good moral, ethical person. In reality, the Bible says we've all sinned. And until you put your faith and hope in Jesus, you can never be his child because you can't get there on your own. 
But the moment you put your faith and hope in him, he'll change your life forever. And he will give the entirety of who you are context. If you're here and you say, Pastor Steve, I want, to, I want to put my hope in Jesus today. If you've never said yes to God's grace, the moment you just say yes, you recognize your need for him. In that very moment of faith, you become his child. If you're here and you say, Pastor Steve, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to give my life to Christ. If you're in Lawrenceburg, Florence, or watching online, come on, will you raise a hand real high? Today, I want to give my life to Jesus. Come on, just leave it up for one minute so I can see it. Several hands all over this room. I want everybody here to pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I thank you today for what you did for me. That you came. You left your place in heaven to come to earth, to be a servant, to die on the cross for my sin so I could be your child. Help me to walk it out in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees, said amen. Come on, everybody.